0: Welcome to another episode of Not Just Another Sports Podcast.
1: Johnny Manziel will become even bigger in the city of Cleveland than his buddy and business partner LeBron James ever was.
0: With Christian Ainsworth.
1: Ben Simmons to me is the fifth best basketball player in the world. And Price Carter. Under pressure? Yes, Kawhi is better than Kobe was. I'm here to tell you about the player... That's going to take the NFC East by storm and also get some MVP votes. We're talking about Danny Dimes. That might be the worst take I've ever heard. Hello and welcome in to the August 31st edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Live. I am, as always, Price Carter. Joining me, as always, is Christian Amesworth. Christian, how's it going this afternoon, evening? Doing good, man.
0: Doing good. It's been the first week of college. It's everything's coming back together. Sucks just as much as I remember. So
1: lots of fun. Let's get right down to it. We've got lots of news to talk about. Um, The first thing that we're going to be discussing today is the Chiefs officially have set their 53-man roster. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this simply because by the time this podcast is probably out, you've probably known who's made it and who's not made it. We're just going to take away kind of our biggest reactions on what was uh, cut or who was cut and who was not. So I'm just going to read down the roster here real quick. And Christian, you can just tell me where you hear something that might've surprised you. So Chiefs initial roster. And also just like as a disclaimer, we worry about this so much. This like may not last, this probably won't even last past the Browns game and like these players will move. So it's just, the only piece of football news we have related to the Chiefs at this point, so we worry about it so much. But Chiefs' initial 53-man roster is as follows: two quarterbacks, Mahomes and Henny; three running backs. This was discussed whether it be three or four. Edwards, Alaire, Daryl, the Barrel, Jarek McKinnon. No surprises there. They listed Michael Burton as a fullback, but running back, fullback. So there's your four there. So obviously, most notable missing from there was Darwin Thompson. And there were some Derek Gore fans that were disappointed as well. The other big spot on the roster that a lot of people talked about, tight end. They kept all four of the tight ends. We saw on Friday um, in the preseason game there that they ran that four tight end set at the gold line. Travis Kelsey, Jody Fortson, Blake Bell, and Noah Gray. The Chiefs now have the best tight end in football named Jody Fortson and Travis Kelsey on the roster. They kept 10 <laughs> offensive linemen, Orlando Brown, Tooney, Creed, Trey Smith, Lucas Naying. Austin Blythe, Mike Rimmers, Nick Allegretti, Andrew Wiley, and LDT. Defensive line. Any any surprises in there? Anything that really jumped out to you at that point?
0: Yeah, I thought Gore played really well. Um, As far as running backs go, I really thought that he splashed enough that he would maybe make special teams. I know he didn't really make a whole lot of plays on special teams, but just his ability to like hit that run after the catch that he had for a touchdown, like that. Those are the kind of splash plays that get you on a roster, and I'm just surprised he didn't make it. Also, Kemp not being on the roster is I I think more of a surprise than Fountain making the roster, if that makes any sense. Like I I know Fountain make has this ability that nobody else on the roster has, but there's a reason that there's no one else on the roster that has that, and that's because Andy Reid doesn't utilize that. So I felt like Kemp maybe being sort of the veteran presence in the room, maybe he could uh more veteran than Fountain, I guess, but uh I, I just felt like he could maybe. Uh, get Tobe's attention and and get on the special teams at some point? Is there anything that surprised
1: you? Uh, Well, for me, for me, we have spent so much time discussing five wide receivers, six wide receivers, obviously Cornell Powell was cut, Marcus Kemp was cut. I mean, let's be honest. Whenever the season starts, this really fades away. Marcus Kemp has been on this roster for plenty of games. And every time I see him on the field, like when the offense is on the field, I'm like, what the heck is he doing out there? Like or like occasionally he catches the ball and it's like, what the heck? Like, what is he doing here? Like I, you know, it, is it possible that Darius fountain is this huge revelation in this offense? And, you know, he's a true contributor, but I will be shocked if he catches a touchdown this year. It's just how it is. There's just so many mouths to feed in this offense. And we have to remember that everything we've seen from Darius fountain is against backups. You know, we've not seen him go against top defensive backs. we, I know that he did play some for the Colts, but overall we don't really know. Um, you know, obviously it was notable that they cut their draft pick, Cornell Powell. I like that personally. Yes, he would love to see that pick be a Hall of Famer and not someone who was cut in their first season, but I appreciate the Chiefs being able and Brett Beach being able to admit that they were wrong and moving on and taking the player with the highest upside rather than trying to stick by their, by their guns with Cornell Powell, which they absolutely could have done. Marcus Kemp will probably be back on the practice squad. I saw on Twitter that he is different than some of these other players. He is a vested veteran, which means he's a free agent, which means basically he can just pick whichever team to sign back with. I would assume that he comes back to the practice squad. And there's also a little bit of more maneuvering come with the roster, I think. Um Austin Blythe could be IR'd or pupped because he has that sports hernia surgery. And then LDT, we know could go on on the IR as well. At this time, the only person that they put on the PUP was Kyle Long. So there's some more flexibility in it. And I've seen some pretty good names that have, I mean, obviously there's not a Hall of Famer that's been cut today or anything, but there's been some interesting names. Uh, Travis Fulgram from the Eagles, who's like had a season equivalent to what McCole Hardman had as far as yardage goes from the Eagles, he was cut. Um, one of my personal favorites, just for the brand, um, I would love to see the Chiefs pick up Kiki Kuti, which is a great name, and also a former Texas Tech wide receiver that played with Mahomes. They had, like, over 700 yards together in college. He was released by the Texans, so that would be a good thing. So on the offense overall, honestly, other than that wide receiver spot, no surprises.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The all kind of boilerplate, I think we all kind of figured Portson was going to make the roster. Um, I was a little skeptical but other than that yeah no surprises
1: yeah and I mean obviously they put an emphasis on the offensive line that's okay I was a little bit surprised see LDT made the roster but I think that they I think they think a lot of him from what he did on the field and off the field and you know I think that they probably just kind of gave him the head nod there and realized like hey you know he can really only play one position but he's a good person and we don't really save anything by cutting them. So All how do right, you feel on. here real
0: quick uh, before we move on? How do you feel about the LDT trade rumors? Do you think those are legit or?
1: Oh, I mean, I th- rumors are just rumors. You know, I, I think I think if he was healthy and his hand wasn't broken, there'd probably be more of a chance. I mean, the Giants, I mean, LDT could start for the Giants next week as terrible as their offensive line is. So I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely possible. I, I could still see it. But it's less likely now in season. But you know what? That's fine. If LDT never plays a snap and we just feel more comfortable after what happened last year, I'm OK with it. See, and, and that's kind of where I'm at with it, too. There are plenty of teams that could use them.
0: But you know nobody wants an injured lineman on their roster taking up a roster spot.
1: For sure. On to the defense. Uh, defensive lineman Chris Jones, Frank Clark, who was not cut because he owned a gun which was something that Chiefs Twitter was trying to do in July. Just kind of goes <laughs> to show you how stupid all that was. Jaron Reed, Derek Nadi, Tershawn Wharton, Colin Saunders, who was, you know, someone that we wondered about allowed but had a great offseason. Mike Dana, Alex Okafor, and Joshua Kando. Uh, you know, I, I wondered about Okafor allowed a little bit, but um, I, I, feel, I feel like they kept the right people here. I know some people were into Amari Cobb and Darius Harris and um, those players, but I, I feel like there's nothing really to talk about there. that kept the right the right group there.
0: Oh yeah, and and a lot of those guys, I believe they kept Dorian O'Daniel and Darius Harris just for their special teams. I think Omari Cobb was maybe a better player than both of those guys, but you know these end roster spots are really what they use for special teams and things like that. And if you don't contribute on special teams, there's no chance you're going to make it onto the roster.
1: Yeah, certainly. I I think that we can. Always take away that Dave Tobe has a loud voice in the roster construction. I mean, he is the assistant head coach. Like it, like as far as the coordinators go, he has that assistant head coach title Dave Tobe is. So he has a big, big say in what goes on in this roster construction. And that that's really obvious in the linebackers. I think the, the two places that people were wrong about the roster construction were they kept more linebackers than expected. They kept Pigeons, Gay, Bolton, Neiman. Dorian O'Daniel, which I think we could have seen him doing it. They love him on special teams. And then they kept Darius Harris as well, but they love keeping those linebackers because they're athletic build. They can play special teams. They're not like a defensive lineman. Who's kind of basically only going to be able to do some things on special teams. And then the other one was, is Chris Lamons. Lamons He had a great block in that McCall Hardman punt return for a touchdown against the dolphins last year, really a special teams guy. Haven't really seen anything from him defensively, um, but the, so they kept Darius Harris as a linebacker, and then the corners: Lajarius Sneed, Mike Hughes, Ward, DeAndre Baker, Rashad Fenton, and then Chris Lamonts. Lamont.
0: Uh, yeah, dude, special teamer. That's uh, I think Bo Peake Keys was even better in co- coverage during this preseason, but uh, you know there's got to be special teams players, and obviously Dave Tobe chose Lamonts over. Uh, Bo Peake keys, which was a little surprising, I think, to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, and then um, they they kept. Uh, Armani Watts won the Devin Key battle for safety, so Armani Watts, Daniel Sorensen, Juan Thornhill, Tyron Matthew are your safeties, and then the specialists Harrison Bucker, Tommy Thompson, and James Winchester. Now we mentioned that there's some flexibility here, and I mean we'll just go ahead and take a victory lap. Uh, our main account tweeted out that yesterday around 3 or 4 p.m. that Willie Gay had turf toe and um, you know pretty much everyone on Twitter told said that it was inaccurate not true no one had seen it before and wouldn't you know it today Andy Reid mentioned that Willie Gay has turf toe Um, now turf toe is one of those things that's like really tricky. it could be a week or two, or it could be three or four. So there is a possibility. Our, our head had a live account also tweeted out that there's a possibility of him going to IR. So some of these players that got waived that we may have strong feelings about, completely possible that they're back on the 53 at some point. And also remember, they have 16 practice squad spots this year due to COVID. So, you know, all these players that we fell so deeply in love with in pads at training camp, they are not gone forever, just merely saying goodbye.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, that's just a good way to wrap it up, really. You know,
1: I think, you know, I think ultimately the only big takeaway that I have here is that they put a clear emphasis on the offensive line and they put a clear emphasis on special teams, which are, you know, one of those things is new to the Chiefs. I don't think that they always valued offensive line as much. But, you know, like we read in that Matt Vertereum article that we talked about, Brett Veach walked up to Patrick Mahomes after the Super Bowl walking out the field and said, this will never happen to you again. And credit to them for stepping up and doing that. Yeah, exactly.
0: And and like you said, one of the major keys here, uh, special teams emphasize. I think Dave Tobe, uh, at least to me, I think that he has more of a say in this roster construction than I previously thought. Um, You really think of a team as offense and defense. Well, special teams is a very important part of that. Um, and I think Andy Reid values that uh, just about as much as anybody.
1: Absolutely. You know who gets way too much hate? I'm going to tell you, Chiefs fans hate on this person way too much. If you actually pay attention and not just watch a thirty second or two minute video on Twitter occasionally, Colin Cowherd hosts a good show, and I'm I'm not afraid to admit it. He people put him in the same breath as Colin or as Skip Bayless, and it's that's it's just ridiculous. It's not even close to true. Skit Bayless is the, the everything that's wrong with sports media, Colin Cowherd, he, you know, his knowledge about things, is he going to be talking about Byron Pringle versus Doris Fountain? Probably not, but he knows a lot about a, a little bit, or he knows a little about a lot of it. If you know what I mean, basically his knowledge about things aren't as in-depth as some of our local chiefs people, but, Colin Cowherd occasionally will troll. I mean, yes, he was saying that he thought Josh Allen was better than Patrick Mahomes last year, but overall, if you listen to the show on a somewhat regular basis, it's really not that bad. Um, and one of the, th- one of my things that I like about Colin Cowherd is that he'll just like talk about when he was right about things and when he was wrong about them. Yeah, which is crazy. You said it best at the very beginning.
0: He gets a lot of hate for no reason. I, I, you know, you hear, what was it, the Chiefs, uh, the stadium, wasn't it? Isn't that what he talked about? uh, Oh, it was about how.
1: Yeah, it was the it was the AFC Championship where he talked about how there was going to be like it was super super cold and Chiefs fans were going to be bundled up and that Arrowhead Mm -hmm. wasn't going to be loud. That was the oh yeah yeah that's right, which
0: you know, which to be fair is like. Not a smart thing to say at all, because if you've ever been to a playoff game in arrowhead people are drunk and screaming all times of the year, so there you know there's no there's no fall off in that but uh yeah dude the the dude has really good segments I enjoy watching his show Um, and we're going to steal something from him right now aren't we.
1: yeah so. In the spirit of calling Cowherd, um, we're going to do a little bit of where we were right, where we were wrong. So, you know, we were just talking about our predictions a little bit. We're going to each talk about two things that we predicted correctly and two things that we did not do so well on. Um, some of these were on the podcast. Some of them come from Twitter. Uh, obviously, the podcast has only been and it's like 11th episode at this time. So not every single one of our opinions have been here, but we'll still um, let you know where we messed up and where we didn't. So um, Christian, why don't you go first? Tell us where you were right.
0: So I was right. And I think the most important thing is that we all get things wrong. Right. But most importantly, I was right. And I was right because I predicted that Giannis and the Bucks would win the game, win the NBA finals in six. And I said that right after the Suns went up two to nothing in the NBA finals. Now I put a lot of faith in Giannis. I put a lot of faith in that defense and, and his ability to play really, really well, especially in big games and he pulled through for me. But yeah, and the next thing I was right about is Cornell Powell not producing like a wide receiver one in the preseason and you know during, during the training camp and not believing the serious hype around him. I mean, it's important to be level-headed when you think about draft prospects and you pointed this out numerous times on past podcasts. Uh, you don't really need to believe everything that Lou Riddick says just because he tweets it out. You know, he he does have that blue check mark, but that doesn't necessarily mean he knows absolutely everything about the game of football. And believing in a sixth round pick is like buying a scratcher. Like, yeah, there's a chance you'll win. Like, sure, yeah. And, and when you win big, you win really big, but most of the time you're not gonna be right in buying the scratcher. You're just gonna have wasted five bucks. So those are the two things I was uh, right about over these past couple of months.
1: All right. Okay, so time to take my victory lap. Um, Probably the thing that I was the most right about was the Chiefs cap situation headed into the uh, the offseason. A lot of Chiefs fans were ready to sign Allen Robinson or J.J. Watt. We were talking about which one we wanted and all the moves that the Chiefs were going to make, possibly for Juju Smith-Schuster, if not Allen Robinson. And ultimately, those things did not come true. Tyron Matthew looks like he's probably headed to free agency at this point. It is rare that players get deals done in season if it's a second or third contract. Um, Joe Tooney, yes, he was a big signing, but that also meant that the Chiefs lost out on Trent Williams, and there was them trying to do both. The cap played had huge implications on this offseason. The Chiefs could not afford to keep Eric Fisher around to rehab um, his Achilles. They had to move on from him. They had to cut. And obviously, you know, it it really looks like Mitch Schwartz is probably done as far as his career goes. So that's kind of water underneath the bridge. But the Chiefs cut both of their starting tackles. Um, this, the salary cap had a huge implication on how this offseason went and it continues to impact it. We just talked about last week about all the difficult decisions that are coming up as far as the salary cap and um, tagging Orlando Brown. Salary cap had a huge impact on this season. The salary cap continues to be something big, and if we're watching Tyron Matthew um, suit up for the Ravens next year, you can come back to this and talk about, once again, that the cap does matter. The other thing is um, Cam Newton has not been good since 2015. Uh, I've been saying this forever. He was an inaccurate quarterback his entire time. He had a fantastic 2015 and a few seasons before then, but overall, Cam Newton has been a run-first quarterback that has some nice passing moments. He is not Lamar Jackson. As far as a passer goes, he's more accomplished than that. But Cam Newton has not been good in a long time. He's had some severe injuries that have hampered his career. And when he was signed to new England, um, there were people who like, honestly, and I, I tried to go through, I guess I unfavorited the tweets or someone suspiciously deleted them, but there were people who had blue check marks calling Cam Newton an MVP candidate last year. And, Cam Newton has just been a fabrication of people in the media who really like him. And Cam Newton is one of those players that has like a weird cult, like following, like I'm telling you, tweets on the negative about Cam Newton, 83 people will come in your mentions that you've never interacted with before defending him. It's a very weird, weird thing. And I'm not sure Cam Newton has not been good um, in a while. And I don't think that he will ever be a starter in the NFL again. Unless due to injury. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's out of the NFL period because he won't be willing to take a backup role. See, and if you
0: would have said that um, about three months before you said that, I, I would have been like, you know what, that's kind of crazy. I, I don't know if I I get, I mean, I know Cam Newton has his faults, but, you know, before he was traded to the, the Patriots, I was kind of like, yeah, he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And then, you know, just a really good prediction on your part. I think maybe I, Uh, did too much listening to the national media instead of doing my own homework. Uh, Speaking of that, here are some places where I definitely didn't do enough homework. Um, And I'm just going to go with the biggest one that I have, one of the biggest, worst predictions I maybe have ever had. And uh, unfortunately, it's in a full-length article that you can check out at arrowheadlive.com. Shameless plug there, but it's the Chiefs might not replace any of their offensive linemen and I said that right after the season ended. So like, I was like, you know what? Uh, Eric Fisher's coming off the injury. You know what? He's still probably pretty athletic surgery, you know, is is way better than it was back in the day. You can pretty much recover from an Achilles tear. Uh, you're not gonna be as good as you were, but <clears throat> you know, you, you still have that athleticism. And then Mitch Schwartz, um, it was a back thing. and I was like, you know, I, I know backs are a big deal, but maybe you know he, he'll he be all right and then uh Coleccio simile I was like you know he's had a whole while to to come back and plus we have Niang coming back so he could even play guard if we needed him to there was a whole lot of calculations that made a little bit of sense when I said them but shortly turned out yeah uh no completely off they Brett Veach I think might have even read that and said yeah dude you're so completely we're, we're you have no idea what our plans are. And then the Trent Williams talk, the Joe Thune signing, the drafting of the linemen, the right tackle, the trading for Orlando Brown Jr. Like they're just crazy, which also brings me to my next point, Orlando Brown Jr. being traded to the Chiefs. I thought there was a 0% chance that the Baltimore Ravens would send an all pro tackle to their biggest rival in the AFC. Like that that made no sense to me. I had no idea why why they would even think about doing it. And then they did it and it was for like a first and a third, which really turned out to just be a third or just a first because they traded us their second round pick. It was like a whole big deal where we fleeced them into giving us one of the best tackles in the AFC. And I'm sure I wasn't the only one that missed on it, but I feel pretty dumb missing on it uh, and going that hard, being that opposed to the idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was one that I had written down as well. I didn't quite get there, but uh, it was one that I was considering as well. Okay, so for me, um, we kind of fell into the same one, but this one a little bit more specific to Creed Humphrey. When the Chiefs drafted Creed Humphrey, I was pretty disappointed. I wanted them to do something else with that pick. I felt like with Joe Tooney, at that time they traded for Orlando Brown. You know, I felt like the Chiefs had done enough along the offensive line I was satisfied with Austin Blythe, I was ready for the Chiefs to make a move for a secondary player or even something on along the wide receiver area. Um, and I was pretty down on the Creed Humphrey signing just because I felt like it was a luxury that the Chiefs didn't really need for a position that the Chiefs have never really had anything special since Rodney Hudson. However, now we are in the season, seeing one, how comfortable Mahomes is with Creed already, two, Knowing that that interior is locked down, obviously we didn't know about Trey Smith at that time, but knowing that the interior is really locked down because even if there was no Trey Smith, I would assume that it would be LDT or Kyle Long on the right side, but also just like watching Creed play, that man snaps that ball with his left hand, it is a 95 mile an hour fastball every time, the stamps look great. I love the idea of having him there long term with Mahomes to get comfortable. I love the player. Um, he just seems like I love the the leverage that he plays with from his wrestling background. Um, I was, you know, I was wrong about that. I I think that he's going to be a good player. I think it was a good pick, um, and I especially like hearing that the Ravens. We talked about the article a couple of weeks ago from Matt Vernier that the Ravens were all in on Creed Humphrey too because the Ravens they don't miss on offensive linemen, especially interior. So I like that. The other one, a little baseball. Um, I had been a big doubter of Shohei Otani and him ever being able to be a true two-way player. And all he's done is become modern day Babe Ruth. Shohei Otani has 42 home runs and 20 stolen bases. It's not just the power. He's not Ichiro where he's just slapping for batting average. He's hitting for power. He's walking. And he has 20 stolen bases. He's a great base runner as well. He's got a three ERA with over 105 innings pitched and he's averaging over a strikeout per inning. There are still 35 games left in the season, and he has 7.9 war for the season. I was wrong about Otani. I never thought that, one, he'd be able to do it and stay healthy. Two, that the Angels, who are one of the most incompetent baseball staffs in the country, were going to be able to manage him. And might I add that the two other best players in that lineup for the Angels, Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon, have both been out of the lineup almost the entire year. Off and on with injuries. So Otani hasn't been protected by those other bats. You know, the thought was just that, you know, there would be Trout, Rendon, and Otani might be more, you know, down the bottom in the lineup and protect him a little bit. But Otani's doing this all on his own. And, you know, I realized that this might be the only season we ever get this from Otani, but what he's doing this season, it doesn't matter if he ever does it again, because this is going to go down as one of the most dominant seasons a player has ever had. Absolute luck for the AL MVP. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening today. Um, We will be back with a second episode this week. Uh, We're kind of moving towards having two episodes per week. So we will be back. But in the meantime, go Chiefs. And, you know, looking forward to you following us on Twitter. You can follow me at at Price 8 Carter and you can follow Christian at C Breezy underscore edits.